85 over the weekend. He was a goalie for the Rangers back in the 40s and the 50s and also coached the team in the 60s and 70s. Uh, his coaching tenure, he was also the GM then, by the way, but his coaching tenure was highlighted by the Rangers making it to the Stanley Cup Finals in 1971-1972. They made it to the semifinals or deeper in four consecutive seasons and just a beloved member of the New York Ranger family. So we're going to spend a good amount of time on Francis today. We also might look to line up a guest to talk a little bit more about him uh, sometime next week because... Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, I know of Emile Cat Francis and, uh, you know, what he meant to this Ranger organization, but, you know, his playing days and really even his coaching days were quite a bit before my time. So, uh, hoping to line up a guest that can, uh, Put it in perspective. Somebody who's a little bit more uh, of an expert on Francis than I am and uh, somebody that can definitely do him justice. But like I said, we're going to say uh, a couple of things about Francis here today. I'm also going to throw out the idea of the Rangers potentially looking to trade Brennan Offman. Now, I know there's going to be some people who hear that and think that I'm, you know, losing my mind here or whatever it might be. Um, I wouldn't, I don't say this lightly and it's not something that I would do just to do it, but depending on how big of a trade target you want the Rangers to pursue at the deadline this season, I think it's a move that could at least make some sense. And again, I would not do this just to do it. I'm not trying to push Brent Offman out the door here, but I'll elaborate a little bit in due time here and explain what I mean and explain why it's an option that I think could at least be on the table for the New York Rangers. For right now, we're going to keep the spotlight right on Emil, the Cat Francis, once again passing away on Sunday at the age of 95. For starters, you know, talking about his life and career here, the thing that jumps off the page for you, whether you followed his entire career or, you know, we may have some younger listeners who might not be all that familiar with him. But the one thing that whether you're old, young, you're, you've been a Ranger fan for decades, you're just getting into the Rangers recently. The one thing that jumps off the page for me and probably for a lot of people as well, this guy was five foot seven, 155 pounds, and he was a goalie in the NHL. And just for some context to kind of just compare him to a current player to put things in perspective, you know, rather than just have everybody try to picture five foot seven, 155 in their head, Matt Zuccarello, obviously he was on the Rangers for a long time, was known for, and still is known for being uh, somebody that plays a lot bigger than his frame. And, uh, you know, somebody who certainly overachieved throughout his career and continues to overachieve now as a member of the Minnesota Wild. But Matt Zuccarello is five foot eight, 181 pounds. So he's an inch taller than Emil the Cat Francis and 26 pounds heavier than Emil the Cat Francis. And as far as his nickname is concerned, he was nicknamed the Cat by a, uh, a sports writer. Basically, the sports writer mentioned that Francis was quick as a cat, you know, covering one of his games. And that nickname just stuck really for the rest of his uh, playing career and the rest of his life as well. I mean, he's still known as Emil the Cat Francis. Uh, but as far as his resume as a coach, because that's where he really made his mark. You know, he didn't really play that long in the NHL, less than 100 career games, played with both the Blackhawks and then also the New York Rangers, only played in a handful of games with the Rangers. In fact, we might as well get the number exactly right. I believe it's somewhere in the 20s. Yeah, 22 games with the New York Rangers and 95 career games split between the Rangers and the Blackhawks. Had a career record of 32, 52, and 10, and a goals against average of 375 to go along with one shutout. I don't see uh, his save percentage listed here. That might be before they were even tracking save percentage and stats like that, and nobody was even really uh, keeping tabs on that. But yeah, I mean, where he really made his mark with the New York Rangers was certainly as a coach. He coached the team beginning in 1965-1966. They had a rough season, 13-31-6, uh, missed the playoffs, but that was the only time 
in Emil the Cat Francis's coaching tenure that the New York Rangers would miss the playoffs. In fact, just a season after that, just a complete 180, the Rangers actually make it to the NHL semifinals. They go 30, 28, and 12 in the regular season, and uh, they were off and running after that. This was a team that was kind of lacking in identity and uh, certainly lacking in talent and certainly not winning a whole lot before uh, Francis took over at the helm there. Uh, but he ends up setting Ranger coaching records that still stand to this day uh, for most games coached with 654, most career victories with 342, and his career winning percentage is 602. The only Ranger coach in NHL history that has a better winning percentage as coach of the Rangers than Francis would be Mike Keenan. He had a 667 winning percentage, but of course, Keenan was only with the Rangers for one season. So, I mean, yeah, they won the Stanley Cup and everything, and they obviously had a tremendous team, but uh, Keenan certainly did not have the longevity uh, that Francis did. And something else that I learned, uh, you know, looking up some information about Francis, he once posted a plaque in the Ranger locker room that uh, it just read, we supply everything but guts. And that was kind of uh, his philosophy. He was a very hard-nosed player himself. He had a couple of scars on his face uh, that was the result of playing goal for several seasons uh, in the NHL and also the AHL and various other leagues. Uh, but somebody who, you know, took a bit of a beating out there and was certainly not the biggest guy on the ice by any stretch of the imagination. And when he became coach of the Rangers, he wanted to instill, you know, that toughness, that grittiness into the team. And they kind of followed his lead. And like I said, it was a very rapid turnaround. Uh, the Rangers going from a cellar dweller to a bonafide Stanley Cup contender in the span of just two seasons there. So, um, yeah, he, he de definitely demanded a certain amount of greenness, a certain amount of toughness for his players. He had a lot of sacrifices uh, when he was a player himself, and he expected uh, certainly more of the same from his players. And something that I also talked about with Gil Martin, I did a, a guest spot on Lockdown NHL the other day to talk about, you know, the passing of Francis. And this was interesting as well. Obviously, again, Francis did not have a long tenure in the NHL as a player, less than 100 games, but he did kind of make his mark in a different way. He started using uh, a catching mitt based upon the design of a first baseman's glove in baseball. And this kind of got the attention of league officials, but after some back and forth, uh, he got the approval. And there were other goalies that ended up kind of following his lead and using similar styles of gloves. And even to this day, uh, I believe... You know, I don't know. Obviously, there's always, you know, variations and, you know, there's always tweaking going on and stuff like that. But it sounds like Francis, you know, his design of a catching glove is still, you know, somewhat in effect here even to this very day. So that's obviously very cool to say. I mean, it was uh, quite the innovation there by Emile Cap Francis. And something that stood out to me, you know, obviously he passes away at the age of 95 and it's tremendously sad. The silver lining, and this is something else that I talked about on NHL, but it's the very simple fact that obviously. He led a very long, very full, seemingly a very fulfilling life. And, you know, even right up until the end there, you know, he was still making appearances when the Rangers would retire uh, jerseys and raise jerseys into the Madison Square Garden rafters. He was not there for Henrik Lundqvist, but he was there just a couple of years ago. You know, Vic Hadfield and Jean Rattel both getting their jerseys retired. And he spoke at both of those and, again, seemed to have all of his wits about him, uh, you know, seemed to have the Madison Square Garden faithful hanging on just about every word and uh, seemed to be in good health and in good spirits. And, you know, you, you watch that and you think like, man, th this guy's going to live to be 100. He, it was very believable. And not to like, you know, speculate on how long somebody's going to live or, or anything like that, but that's the impression that it made, at least on me, because again, he just seemed like he was still so full of life, so full of energy. He had a couple of sit-down interviews, you know, every 
time that somebody gets their jersey retired, you know, they're interviewing guests throughout the night, people that are there. And uh, he did a sit-down interview between uh, the first and second period of one of the games, I believe it was. And again, you know, sharp as attack, well into his 90s there. I believe he was either 91 or 92 at that time. Uh, but again, you know, his impact on Ranger hockey cannot be understated. And we're going to continue talking about Emil the Cat Francis in just a second. But first, just want to let everyone know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You will be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, just want to thank everybody for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Going to keep talking for a little bit longer here about Emilia Cat Francis, and uh, just want to share a personal story, actually. So, you know, obviously... Francis is a player for sure, and also as a coach was before my time as a Ranger fan, but I will say this. There, there was my first exposure to Emil the Cat Francis. It came in the form of a VHS tape that actually um, documented the 1994 New York Rangers. Of course, they won the Stanley Cup that season, broke the 54-year curse, but it's funny. I watched that tape so many times as a kid, and I mean, I'm eight or nine years old watching this tape over and over and over again. Uh, it really is a really nice documentary, and you can actually find it on YouTube, um, but one thing that I always remembered is at the beginning of the documentary, they're kind of interviewing some former New York Ranger players, some former New York Ranger coaches, and Emil the Cat Francis is on screen for, couldn't have been 10 seconds, less than 10 seconds, but uh, he's just talking about the Rangers' opportunity to win the Stanley Cup, and he basically said that he thinks this is their best chance since 1940 to get the job done, and uh, that was it, but I, I had no idea who Emil the Cat Francis was at that time. You know, obviously, I'm just an eight or nine year old kid. I have no idea. But you get a little bit older, you start finding out a little bit more about the history of the New York Rangers and obviously, you know, his contributions to the team. Uh, but it was just interesting to me that I knew the name for so long before I actually like knew who he was and, you know, why he was so important to this New York Ranger team. I just thought I would share that. Um, but. You know, I was talking about his career wins earlier and how he's uh, at the top of, you know, the Ranger coaching ranks of all time. He's also the New York Rangers all-time leader in playoff wins with 34 and in playoff games coach with 75. Was also uh, widely recognized for his charity away from the ice. In 1966, he formed the Metropolitan Junior Hockey League to give inner-city kids a chance to play hockey. And then the Rangers in 2008 decided to honor Francis's legacy by creating the Emil Francis Award. It goes annually to those who grow youth hockey in their local communities. And 
Francis was also awarded the Lester Patrick Trophy in 1982 for his outstanding service to hockey in the United States. And there's actually another trophy that I found, you know, doing this research that's named after Francis. Uh, He's got the Emile Francis Trophy, which is given to the AHL team that has the best record in the Atlantic Division. And I definitely do want to single out what I would say was probably uh, Francis's best season as the head coach of the New York Rangers. That would, of course, be 1971-1972 when the Rangers made it to the Stanley Cup Finals before losing in six games to the Boston Bruins. But the Rangers that season, uh, there were, just to give you guys some context, there were 14 teams in the NHL. Back then, there were seven teams in the East Division and seven teams in the West Division. And the Rangers came in second place in the East, finishing only behind the Boston Bruins. The Rangers went 48, 17, and 13. That was good for 109 points. They start the playoffs against the Montreal Canadiens, who finish right behind the Rangers with 108 points, and they take down the Canadians in six games. They then go to the semifinals, and they sweep the Chicago Blackhawks four games to none. And then, unfortunately, in the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, the Rangers fall behind two games to none to the Bruins. They win game three at the Garden. They lose game four at the Garden. They stave off elimination in Boston by winning game five, and then they lose three to nothing uh, at Madison Square Garden to close out the series. So, Yeah, I mean, this team basically did just about everything except win the Stanley Cup. It is unfortunate, Um, but again, that's just kind of uh, part of the the story that was the Rangers having the curse and not being able to get over the hump for as long as it took them to get over the hump, of course, 54 years. Amelia Cap Francis, though, again, one of the most successful coaches in New York Rangers history by any metric. Uh, again, they got about as close as you could possibly get. Four straight seasons making it to the semifinals or farther. And of course, this one season in the Stanley Cup Finals themselves, unfortunately, they did everything but lift the Stanley Cup. But obviously, uh, the Cat was, uh, and still is, a tremendously important member of the New York Ranger family. And he will certainly be missed. And like I said, still looking to line up a guest to uh, you know share some insight into uh the New York Rangers teams that were coached by Francis and uh, just kind of share any other interesting facts that we may not have covered here today. And uh, we'll look to light up that guest next week. Uh, I do want to turn our attention back to the current Rangers, though. And like I said, I tossed this out in the intro, the idea of maybe, maybe trading Brennan Offman. And I will elaborate on that in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is also brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. 
Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse just so happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com so during the intro, I mentioned the idea, and we're going to talk about it right now, of the Rangers, you know, if they really want to make a splash at the trade deadline, really acquire a superstar caliber player, that they could at least consider the idea of trading Brian Othman in order to acquire such a player. Now, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. I am not sitting here trying to push Brian Othman out the door banging my fist on the table saying we got to trade Brandon Offman, but it's something that I think for the Rangers, it should at least be in consideration, and I am going to explain why right here and right now. For starters, Brandon Offman is having a phenomenal season for the Flint Firebirds of the OHL. He has just been named their captain during this season that's currently progressing. He has scored 34 goals and dished out 32 assists in just 45 games, so he's got 66 points in 45 games. I believe that right now, at least to some extent, Brandon Offman is playing over his head. Because I know there's some people who are going to look at numbers like that and think like, man, why would you even consider trading somebody like this? But that's just it. It's a classic case of selling high and potentially trading somebody when his value will never, ever be higher. I'm not sure it'll ever be higher than it is right now. Because yeah, this guy can contribute offensively, but the big thing about him coming into this year's draft and the thing that you were reading in scouting reports and uh, just listening to different analysts talk about him. The thing that stood out about Brandon Hoffman, excuse me, is that this guy is a tough, gritty, physical, defense-first forward. And on one hand, you're now pleasantly surprised the fact that he's got 66 points in 45 games. But on the other, you know, is this sustainable? And again, it's the OHL rather than the NHL. So one way or another, even if he comes to the NHL, sooner or later, those numbers are going to come back down to earth at least a little bit. But you've got a guy that we thought was a defensive minded forward who's putting up just ridiculous offensive numbers. So his value is very, very high right now. And if you're the Rangers, and I don't know how their front office sees this, maybe they think that he can, uh, you know, be a, a solid offensive contributor in the NHL. Maybe they think that he can play in a top six role. That's all possible. But if you don't think that, if you think that this is somebody that is probably going to slot in as a bottom six forward, and again, somebody that's a little bit of a defense first player and somebody that's not going to contribute a whole lot scoring wise, then this is the time to strike. If again, you are looking to bring in a quality A plus uh, trade target, somebody that can come in and be a star player, immediately step into a top six role on the Rangers and, uh, you know, help this team the rest of the regular season and certainly in the postseason as well. Because I got to be honest here, guys, if you are of the mindset that the Rangers should, you know, may not necessarily go all in, but if you want them to really go after one of the big fish in the sea as far as trade targets is concerned, you want them to go after, you know, a JT Miller or a Claude Giroux or a Joe Pavelski even, or maybe a Tomas Hurdle. I mean, Hurdle is going to be highly sought at the trade deadline. He might be uh, the top sought after trade deadline target among teams around the NHL. So I think the asking price 
could and should and will be very high from the San Jose Sharks as it pertains to Hurdle. But if you really want the Rangers to go after one of these big, big fish in the sea here, then I got to be honest, once again, it's going to take more than Philip Heedle and, you know, Libor Hayek and a fourth round draft pick. That's not going to get it done for somebody like this. So if you really want the Rangers to go all in and acquire a big time guy, who's a star player in this league, somebody who is an all-star caliber player, then it's going to take something significant. And with Brandon Hoffman, again, I do see something of a sell-high opportunity here. And I don't say this lightly because I don't want the Rangers to trade Hoffman necessarily. But again, if you want the Rangers to go all in and really go for a star player, somebody like Brandon Hoffman could make some sense, especially if you're like me and you're hesitant to trade somebody like Braden Schneider, who's already had a tremendously positive impact on the New York Rangers, really kind of uh, solidifying the third defense pairing there. If you don't want to see them trade him, if you don't want to see them trade somebody like, you know, Zach Jones, Zach Jones is flash in the NHL for sure, then maybe trading Brandon Hoffman makes more sense because, again, I don't know that he's ever going to produce points at the level that he's currently producing points in the OHL. And so that's why, you know, it's just kind of food for thought. It's not something that I'm demanding the Rangers to do. And certainly, look, if the Rangers don't go after one of these top, top-tier uh, trade targets at the deadline, if you'd rather just see the Rangers go after, you know, kind of a middling trade target like a Phil Kessel or, you know, maybe a Riley Smith from the Vegas Golden Knights, somebody of that ilk, then for sure, I am not trading Brandon Offman for anybody like that. I'm not giving away Brandon Offman for Phil Kessel, for sure, and I'm not giving him away for Riley Smith either. But if the Rangers, like I said, if they want to go in, land a star player, particularly somebody who can uh, help them with their right wing issues, then I think uh, Brandon Offman becomes a trade chip that certainly would be attractive to other teams. And if you're the Rangers, you could at least think about maybe parting with, especially, and this is another point that I wanted to make, when you consider the fact that the Rangers right now are pretty much loaded at left wing, which is the position that Brandon Offman plays. You know, the Rangers right now, Chris Kreider is locked up long-term. Artemi Panarin is locked up long-term. Alexi Lafreniere, you got to figure he's part of the Ranger plans going forward. So what exactly do you do with Brandon Offman? And I realize there's always ways around this. You know, Alexi Lafreniere recently has been playing some right wing. Maybe, you know, even Brandon Offman himself could eventually change positions from either left wing to right wing or even left wing to center. I don't know. I haven't seen Brandon Offman there really being any news of him playing center at the OHL. I think they've pretty much had him at left wing with the Flint Firebirds there. So we'll see how the Rangers look to play it. But like I said, if you really want to land a big time player who can really, really help this team for the rest of the regular season and for the playoffs, then I think, you know, teams are right going to have a high asking price, and I think Brandon Hoffman could be attractive to teams that are kind of going into a rebuild and looking to part with some guys that are, you know, impending unrestricted free agents. And it's a lot to give up, you know, Brandon Hoffman, if you're the Rangers, you know, they obviously just drafted him in the first round, and to give him up for a rental, it is a little bit of a tall order, but it's not something that I think could or should be completely ruled out, because like I said, you're going to have to, you know, go to these teams with more than just Philip Heedle and Libor Hayek if you want to land a superstar, especially when you consider that other teams around the NHL are going to be, you know, trying to land players like Joe Pavelski, like Claude Giroux, like JT Miller. So just an idea, like I said, not trying to push him out the door or anything like that, but an idea that the Rangers should at least consider. And then one last point that I'd like to make on the subject before we call it a day here, it's just a question that I want to propose to everybody, and that is, when is the last time the Rangers have traded away a prospect, or really any trade of any kind, but especially a prospect, and really, truly been burned by it. I really don't think it's happened all that often, and, you know, I've got a 
web page open here right now uh, looking at the uh, Rangers trade history. And of course, I know some people are going to point to the trade that they made this offseason, of course, dealing Pavel Buchnevich to the St. Louis Blues in exchange for Sammy Blay and a second round draft pick. I can't really even point at that one simply because, again, from the Rangers' perspective, trading Pavel Buchnevich was a necessary evil because they didn't think they were going to be able to, to afford him long-term and then also, you know, give out extensions to guys like Adam Fox and Igor Shesterkin and Mika Zibanejad and even some of the kids whenever they have to be paid. And on top of that, you know, the Rangers got Sammy Blay in return for that. Uh, Blay, unfortunately, is out for the season, but he was starting to carve out a nice role for himself before he got hurt. They also got a second-round draft pick in, in 2022, and we don't even know who they're going to end up taking with that draft pick. Maybe that guy goes on to become an all-star for the Rangers. So I don't think we can even fully judge that one. It, it's happened too recently, and everything hasn't quite played out there, uh, the Pavel Buchnevich trade. But you look at other trades that the Rangers have made. I mean, does anybody regret giving away Leas Anderson to the Kings for a second-round draft pick? Probably not. Um, does anybody really... Uh, you know, rue the day that the Rangers traded Brady Shea for a first-round draft pick. Probably not there either. I mean, Shea's a solid player, but the Rangers had to clear up some cap space, and they were able to do it with that trade. Does anybody regret trading Joey Keane to the Carolina Hurricanes for Julian Gauthier? I know Gauthier hasn't exactly been an all-star, but Joey Keane has basically done nothing for the Canes. Does anybody regret the trade that sent Vladislav Nemesikov to the Senators in exchange for Nick Ebert and a fourth-round pick? Probably not. I know Nemesikov has had a decent season with Detroit, but it's not like he's turned out to be a superstar. Uh, Jimmy Vesey to Buffalo, does anybody, you know, does that cause anybody to lose any sleep here? Uh, you know, the, thinking about the trade that sent Jimmy Vesey to Buffalo. Um, Truba for Pionk and a first-round draft pick. I mean, Truba's been great for the Rangers, and I, I, I struggle to understand where some of the Truba hatred comes from. I know Pionk has done a good job with Winnipeg, but overall, you know, I think I like Truba's game better, you know, just all-around game. Uh, so I don't really mind that trade as well. The one that I know a lot of people might go back to is the trade that, of course, sent Ryan McDonough and JT Miller to the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2018 in exchange for Vladislav Nemesikov, Libor Hayek, Brett Howden, 2018 first-rounder, and a 2019 conditional second-rounder. Uh, I get that. Obviously, it didn't work out. The Rangers didn't really receive enough in exchange for two really good players. But even there, it's not really a case of the Rangers, you know, giving away a prospect and being burned by it. It's a case of the Rangers were rebuilding. They wanted to get some assets. They didn't get enough for those two players. But we've talked enough about that on this podcast. We don't really need to rehash it. But I mean, really going back the last 10 years, I don't see a trade where the Rangers gave away a prospect and it really was like, oh my God, how did we trade that guy? That really came back to bite us. I, I don't really see an example of that. And so again, would it happen with Brandon Hoffman? It could, but if you're the Rangers, and again, you really want to add a bonafide superstar to your team, then I think Brandon Hoffman at least makes some sense as a potential trade ship. Just food for thought. Again, I like Brandon Hoffman. I'd like to see him here. But if you want to land a superstar player, you're going to have to come with a, a pretty nice offer to one of these teams. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. We've been posting pretty much every episode to YouTube, so you can check us out there as well. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Rodin and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available wherever 
you get your podcasts.